0: You're listening to Leveling Up, where we'll show you how to win at the game of life and business. It's time to power up your skills through life gamification with your host, Eric Sue. All right, everyone. Today we've got Philip Blue, who's the head of strategy at Ava Labs, and they are really known for building out Avalanche, which is I'm going to let him explain what it means, but it's kind of the, one of the fastest smart contracts platforms out there in the blockchain industry. I'm going to have him explain stuff to us. Like we're five years old, just to make it very simple, because my job is to continue to understand this space and help you understand this space and just understand that this is the future of the internet. So Phil, how's it going? Oh, well, yeah. Thanks for having me here. Excited to share a little bit more about
1: my work and a little bit of what's happening in the Avalanche ecosystem.
0: Cool. So what is your background as it, as it relates to kind of Avalanche and blockchain in general? Uh, I guess, long story short,
1: I got into Bitcoin and blockchain pretty early back in high school, actually, back in 2013. My friends and I were just mining some Bitcoin. It didn't really understand it too well at the time. And then that was kind of the first big wave of crypto, right? And Bitcoin started catching on. After that, I think the industry cooled down. I went off to college at Cornell. And I was really fortunate to be in the presence of a lot of great computer science researchers who were looking at crypto and blockchain from an academic perspective and so, a lot of the faculty, computer science faculty, are working on kind of areas very related to crypto and blockchain. And so, was able to follow their work all throughout college. And then, after I left university, my first job out of college was actually at a venture capital firm. So, I worked at a place called JD Capital. They're one of the largest Chinese private equity firms. But I was working more or less on the blockchain and crypto side of things, solely investing in, in new blockchains and, and companies there. And through that, I actually kind of got in touch with one of my professors at Cornell again. He's actually one of the founders of Avalanche. His name's Professor Evan Gunseer. At the time, we were actually interested in investing in Avalanche, but I think unfortunately they had closed the investment round. And so we weren't able to get in. But the company and project was at a really early stage. And, and he actually extended me an offer to join, just to take a step back. Like crypto and blockchain was so different in 2018. There was nothing really on the application layer. Uh, DeFi, NFTs, all this stuff. There was like CryptoKitties, but none of it had had really gotten started at the time. So it was really just investing in infrastructure. And Avalanche to me seemed like the most groundbreaking technology. And you know, I really liked the team. You know, I felt like they the best in the field. And it was a no brainer for me to join. And so I joined as actually the first employee. Been with the project in the company ever since. So, so yeah, that's, that's just very high level uh,
0: background story. There. That's an amazing story, man. So, so I have to ask you too. So a, a lot of people. Actually, go from like either like employee or founder to investor VC, right? So, but you you actually reversed. You went from kind of investor to being early employee at Avalanche. So, I guess the question is why?
1: <laughs> Maybe it's kind of like personality type. And for the record, you know, I was kind of like a associate level, right? At the at the still counts partner. to me. Yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't one of the partners, but you know, for me, it was more about I didn't really have so much conviction in just doing one idea at the time, but I knew I wanted to do something that was a little bit higher risk than others kind of life is short, right? And you want to do something that we got the thrilling. Asian
0: gambling mentality. <laughs> yeah,
1: a little bit. Uh, so, so I, I think it, towards my career, that's kind of always where I had a little bit more of an inclination to take a little bit more risk. But that being said, I think I wanted to kind of survey the landscape and learn a little bit more before getting the conviction to do something. I think that was actually kind of the right decision. I think through that process, in venture capital, you do a lot of kind of meeting a lot of different people, seeing a lot of different projects and just generally learning a lot, right? And just thinking about things. And I think that really helped me actually. It it sort of just worked out. Part of it's, you know, you can't really plan everything out, right? But the more typical path, I think, probably makes more sense. You know, usually after... One of the things about sort of investing is that you're not as hands-on, right? And so really working on a project or, or a company, you do learn a lot of actual practical skills that are really helpful for you from an investment as well. So I mean, yeah, different people, different personalities, but I think either path could, you know, is probably valid, right? Yeah.
0: Got it. I'm just looking at you guys on, on Crunchbase right now. You could probably tell me a better number. You guys have raised over what, $450 million? What what What's the number? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, so so it's dicey. I, I think like some of it was, you know, an equity raise. And then also we did some token sales. So altogether, I think the official number that has been completed is around 240 million. But some of that is early stage kind of token sales or equity raises and combined with our ecosystem fund sale, which was quite large.
0: Got it. Okay, cool. So can you explain what Avalanche does at a high level? I mean, people probably know what Bitcoin is. People know what Ethereum is. So if you're just simplified into like, you know, one or two sentences, how would you define Avalanche?
1: I think like the really simple description, I, I don't really like this because then people have some connotations, but maybe just like for your average listener, that's not super familiar. I think a faster, scalable, more decentralized, more energy version of Ethereum could be that simple response. I think it's a lot more than that. So Avalanche, we have two big main innovations one is the avalanche consensus protocol which enables this very high throughput very low latency very low confirmation times high levels of scalability in terms of the network so we can scale to thousands of nodes we have today i think about one thousand six hundred nodes operating in the network so very very decentralized there and then also you know the energy efficiency piece i think is really important to people these days and last we did a survey on how much it costs to run the avalanche network it came out to be about 46 American households, the amount of energy consumption per year, which is a significant reduction compared to existing blockchains like Bitcoin Ethereum. There's another interesting kind of innovation outside of just the consensus protocol on the, uh, the network layer called subnetworks. The high level of this is we allow developers to create application-specific or feature-specific networks for any type of application, right? And I think this is more kind of lower level and a little bit technical, but it really enables any type of application to be built on the Avalanche network. And there's a lot of exciting stuff happening there today. So, yeah, happy to touch upon it if, it's a, uh, if it makes sense.
0: Got it. When I see you guys on like Ave, for example, so the DeFi protocol for, for everyone, I, I see obviously there's Ethereum in there. I see Polygon in there. And then I see Avalanche in there, right? You guys would consider yourself like a layer one blockchain, right? Foundational level.
1: Yes. Yes. So Avalanche itself is its own layer one blockchain, but we also enable with you know sub networks, you know layer twos or independent networks as well that all sort of interoperate within the same network.
0: Got it. It seems like interoperability with Ethereum as well. So which is yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. Oh yeah. So to touch upon that, so we have a bridge called the Avalanche Bridge, which basically connects to Ethereum, and users are able to transfer their assets over to the Avalanche network and, and use them in the same way that they use
0: them on Ethereum. Got it. Okay. So I want to talk about awareness, right? Cause you guys have done some pretty interesting things and you know, people here are like nerding out on marketing too. And I think marketing's getting much harder. The easy mode of just turning on Facebook and Google ads, that's kind of going away and marketing's getting more difficult. And I think that's gonna be cause for more creativity which is great. So like, what have you guys done from like a awareness standpoint? There's a handful of things that we talked about pre-show but I just want to kind of hear it from your mouth too. Cause I'm sure you have more than what I mentioned.
1: As a layer one marketing is probably slightly different from any other type of company or project. But actually what's interesting is like I remember there was a case study that we read on Starbucks. And the interesting thing about Starbucks is that you've never seen a Starbucks ad, right? And they focus a lot on building the Starbucks experience, right? And I think a lot of what we do is very similar to that type of a strategy where we first and foremost have to build a good product as you sort of asked about you know the interoperability with ethereum that was a huge source of growth for avalanche now on the network we have about 11 billion i think in total value locked it just assets are being used in defi right and a lot of those assets are either native to avalanche or came from the ethereum network through the bridge and a lot of things that we did it was it was a lot of attention to detail where you know we made the bridge the way the bridge is architected it's it's the cheapest fastest version of a bridge you could ever have And there's some very new technologies that we're using there, like Intel SGX, so on and so forth. But what it enables is the transactions cost just as much as just sending a normal transaction, right? And that's in contrast to the other bridges that use some sort of a multi-sig, and it's kind of a more expensive operation. We also did a lot of things like, so when users bridge over assets, it would get a small airdrop. And a lot of times, you know, if you just bridge over, then you realize, oh, I don't have a box token, right, to make any transfers or anything. I'm stuck there, right? And so I think this really helped with the user experience. And then once you got over to the Avalanche Network, we took you to an ecosystem page where you know Ave, Curve, all the major ecosystem projects were on there, and Mm -hmm. users could kind of learn about them and and figure out you know what to do with their assets once on Avalanche. I think what came out of this was a lot of you know (laughs) even like very funnily a bunch of memes, right, on the internet around like Bridge or something or meme actually came from the Avalanche Network and how good of a user experience the bridge was. And so tying back to that Starbucks example, the whole Starbucks strategy is that they want to create a good experience such that, you know, if you have a bad experience, you'll tell like seven people. If you have an average experience, you might not tell anybody. If you have a good experience, you might tell a couple of people, right? And so from that, I think we got a huge flywheel of marketing, kind of word of mouth marketing, right? Really helped build a community there. And another example is just, I think this is not really much of a secret, but the Avalanche Rush Incentive Program that was a 180 million incentive program that brought over the likes of Curve and Aave and all these DeFi blue chips, right? I think that the parallel there is, you know, if you look at companies like Uber and Lyft, right? In the early days, they kind of subsidized rides to capture market share. And, you know, in DeFi and crypto, it's, it's actually not that different, right? You need to give people an incentive to come over. And once they're over onto the Avalanche network, then there's a whole host of other things, you know, native to Avalanche that they can explore. So just two, I think, really good examples of things that actually were very, very effective for us that slightly different from conventional marketing, but also had a, a really big effect
0: on the Avalanche network and its growth. I think it's like a lot of great tech products out there. I mean, it's a, you create a great product, you create a great user experience. And the other thing is show me the incentive and I'll show you the outcome, right? So airdropping, just so everyone knows, it's kind of like releasing little bonuses, right? For participating in this context. And then like, you know, what you guys have done with the fun to bring into blue chips, like super smart too, right? It's, you know, money talks at the end of the day, but how about like, you guys recently did a summit as well. Do you want to speak to that a little bit? Yeah, we called it the Avalanche Summit, very aptly named, you know, in the kind of Avalanche
1: snow themed, right? kind of the pinnacle of our ecosystem, right? So so yeah, we held it in Barcelona. It's very similar to kind of like some of the other conferences, the developer conferences, where we got a lot of folks coming in from various parts of the community, whether it be kind of developers or folks of traditional finance is actually a very interesting mix there. Since, you know, the Avalanche Network is so kind of, it feels to a very broad audience now. But yeah, the turnout was great. We also did a couple of great sort of announcements as well of our product roadmap. We introduced the Core Wallet, which is a new wallet similar to MetaMask, but our own sort of take on you know, uh, delivering a good user experience and coupled with this sort of subnetworks concept, which we wanted to make it really seamless for users to access the other networks on Avalanche, right? The, the other sub-networks. And we also announced a Bitcoin bridge, so a direct bridge between Bitcoin and the Avalanche network, sort of uniquely enabled by our bridge design. And then lastly, we announced a career fund. This is kind of more so on the kind of NFT and culture side. It's a $100 million creative fund in which you know we will be funding some interesting and exciting projects related to NFTs and so on and so forth. So yeah, those are a couple of the big highlights from the Summit.
0: Got it. Pre-show, you were talking a little bit about subnetworks. You kind of talked about a little bit on the show as well. So do you want to go a little deeper into you know, what subnetworks actually are and kind of the, the implications behind them? Kind of technical explanation is that in crypto development, you have
1: different types of virtual machines. So Ethereum uses its own virtual machine. A virtual machine, very simply, is just kind of the environment where code executes, right? And Solana has its own virtual machine, so on and so forth. There could be many different takes on execution environments. And so what we did sort of very cleverly, was allow developers to take any type of virtual machine technology and layer it on top of the avalanche consensus protocol. So you can kind of get the best of both worlds here, right? Where you can have any execution environment that can enable any type of sort of business or product feature you want, and also take advantage of the high throughput and all the great benefits of Avalanche consensus. And so we've had a couple of subnets that have been actually deployed already. So DeFi Kingdoms was one of the first actual sort of third-party subnets that was deployed on the Avalanche network. It was deployed not too long ago got to over 500 million in total value locked. Last I checked, it was about 4 million transactions done on the network. And if you count up the number of transactions done on the Avalanche main network and on the DeFi Kingdom subnetwork, I think on one day, it was actually more than the total number of transactions done on Ethereum. It's great to see all these interesting ideas come to fruition now and actually deployed. There's a lot of exciting stuff coming down the pipeline. We have an institutional subnet directly kind of catering to financial institutions that enables compliance and KYC on the network layer. And some networks really appeal to gaming projects. So a lot of these sort of AAA games, they're not able to build on main networks or, you know, an Avalanche, we call it the primary network. And so it's really important for them to have their own kind of network design to support their application, right? And to that extent, there's a lot of interesting games, AAA games that are have already announced plans to develop a subnetwork ascenders is one it's a rpg game shrapnel is a first person shooter game ascenders already has a demo that you can kind of play around with and, and they all look great so excited for those to come out and, and for users to, to kind of experience uh, avalanche through those
0: uh cool things. yeah i mean th- this later one sounds like one of the most dynamic ones if not the most dynamic one so what do you think is the long-term vision with this thing how far are you guys are trying to take this
1: Scaling the network to seven billion people on planet Earth, right? I think from the consensus protocol standpoint, we can scale the main network, right? But there may be specific use cases for different people who might be interested in the network for different things, right? So for institutional folks, they may be using the institutional DeFi subnet. For gaming folks, they may be operating on whatever subnet that makes the most sense for them. You know, for just general DeFi, that could just happen on the main network. So yeah, I think just scaling to as many folks as possible is the grand vision there.
0: Got it. Love it. Some three more personal questions here. So when you think about investing right now, your investment holdings, are you, what percent is crypto versus like equities and other stuff? That's the first one.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's a, a lot of it's in crypto, but just because like, I think you want to do stuff where like you understand it, right. And where you have a advantage and edge, I would say like equities, I kind of get the gist, but other than just like whatever's in my 401k or whatever. You know, I I don't try to like actively manage anything. I just don't have the time to. So
0: more or less, you're 100% in crypto. Yeah, Um,
1: pretty
0: much. Got it. And so what, what does your breakdown look like? You percent Bitcoin, Avalanche, whatever.
1: I still hold some like Bitcoin, Ethereum, some like small amount of Ethereum related things, but- I think a lot of what I hold is I like to be really active in looking for new projects in the Avalanche ecosystem. And sometimes I like to back them myself, Mm. Um, myself, just to kind of say, you know, I want to put my money where my mouth is, right? Make sure I have conviction on the project as well. There's some portion of of kind of Avalanche tokens and then some portion of some of these newer projects that I really believe and I really want to support.
0: Got it. Okay. What's your favorite? This is totally going in a different direction now. What's your favorite business book?
1: It's applicable to business, but one of my favorites is if you've read the book Thinking Fast and Slow, the reason why I like it and why I could kind of call it a business book is I think a lot of the lessons from the book can be applied to, you know, decision making, right, which is often kind of crucial, right, especially with Avalanche at this kind of stage where a lot of it is kind of a portfolio optimization problem, right? Like how do we want to optimize our resources? Where do we want to be investing in, right? Whether that be our own technology or ecosystem projects, so on and so forth. And I guess maybe I can just give a synopsis, but it kind of goes over the two modes of thinking, right? Humans have this sort of very fast kind of thinking mode where you ask the question, one plus one, one plus one equals two, right? But we also have a mode where, you know, we have to kind of slow down and kind of think about things. So let's take the example of a really, you know, hard math problem where even something like 17 times 34. So you're gonna have to kind of think about that. And, and it also goes into a lot of cognitive biases and it's kind of like statistical thinking. And a lot of times you have to look at data, right? And sometimes data can be misconstrued or maybe it's just kind of displayed in a very hard to understand way, or, or maybe you can kind of trick yourself into drawing the wrong conclusions, right? a lot of the book talks about the different types of cognitive biases you as a person can have and really the ways to be cognizant of those. And in those situations, take the second road of the slower thinking, right? To figure things out and and not just jump to a conclusion.
0: I have the physical book, but I hadn't read it yet. And then it's back yeah. home in LA. So I, I just got the audio book right now. And I just bought another thinking book while you're talking. So I just it's bought two okay. thinking books. Thank you for that. And so, I mean, it's important, right? Because all the decisions we make come from our freaking brain. It comes from thinking, right? And I think we don't Think about that often enough, so that that's helpful. Yeah, yeah, I
1: don't know. It was it was it was amazing to just read through the book and question my own thinking as I'm thinking about the book. You know, it's very, yep. kind of circular there. It was kind of yep. meta, but it made a kind of lasting impact on me. And I was able to use a lot of the things in my daily decision making, and also think about how other people react to things and kind of have some more empathy for maybe some people are better at the fast thinking, some people are better at the slow thinking, right? And yeah, a lot of lessons there.
0: I actually had like a, this was like five, six years ago, that operations person gifted me the book. I just didn't get to it because I was like reading other stuff and then you're just busy. Right. And I think he was sending a subtle message that I probably think very quickly. Right. But now like it speaks to me more because you get a little older and then you spend a lot more time slowing down. So certain books will speak to you at certain stages of your life. So that's, that's what it is. Final question from my side, what's your favorite business tool? So it could be like Slack.
1: I find a lot of productivity management tools (laughs) to be really helpful now, various forms of to-do lists. I don't really have a preference for either one, but I think it really helps when like you're working on a lot of different things and you kind of need to prioritize and you don't drop things. So, you know, just very simply to-do lists is like just a free tool that I like to use just to keep organized. But yeah, I mean, Slack and all those great tools just to be, you know, in touch with the team. And then like stuff like Twitter, where there's a lot of discourse happening, it's not really a business tool, but it's more just like a good way to get information, right? About what's going on in crypto and in space. I think, you know, it's super helpful just to just kind of following the right people and continuing to learn about new things, right?
0: Amazing. Well, Philip, this has been awesome. What's the best way for people to learn more about you and Avalanche Online?
1: My handle is Philip Lou Jr. Philip with two L's and then Avalanche. So our handle is Avalanche box A-V-A-X. That's our official channel. But follow any of our other core team members. They all work on different things. And, you know, depending if you're interested in the technology or DeFi, there's there's somebody for you. So our founder, he's Elite Haxor. And then for DeFi, we have Luigi DeMeo, And then for gaming, it's a pretty good team of people. Ed Chang, he's EDC. And then another one of my colleagues, Joe Ferrara. And they all have really great content as well.
0: Amazing. Love it. Phil, thanks so much for doing this. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me on.